I'm coming clean of the secrets I'm keeping. I've caused so much pain to the ones I love the most, and I'm falling apart as I carry my heart to your throne. I am completely surrendering, finally giving you everything. You're my redeemer. I run to the cross because you are more than enough. Lord, complete me because I'm yours completely. I'm letting go There's nothing I own The treasures I held Just weighed down my soul There's nothing left Inside of me But a longing for you I'm longing to be the man that you need. I am completely surrendering, finally giving you everything. You're my redeemer. I run to the cross because you are more than enough. Lord, complete. I'm yours completely I let the gifts take the place of you But you pulled up my selfishness from its roots I am a broken and fragile me But I'm where you want me to be I am completely surrendering Finally Everything, you're my redeemer. I run to the cross because you are more than enough. Lord, complete me. I'm yours completely. Lord, complete me. I'm yours completely. Hope that's everyone's uh, prayer uh, for all of our lives in every situation, no matter whether it's school or no matter your occupation, no matter your situation, could you say to the Lord this morning that I am yours completely? Completely given to Him. This back to school series, of course, after today, well, uh, some of them have already started uh, some different school systems and whatnot. Uh, Hamburg school system overall starts Tuesday, and <clears throat> it's it's that time of the year again. Just an annual event when summer, so to speak, closes. And school begins. As we head back to class, 
And as we send off our kids and our grandkids, we need to always set the example for them and that they would see and know how to live, how to pray. And that's really what uh, we'll be looking at this morning for just a little while is whenever we go back, all of us in our life have a reputation. Everybody, everybody does. And it could be just uh, they're a nice person, uh, they're kind, uh, they're rude, they're this, they're that. Uh, But reputation is what people think of you. Never worry or go overboard in trying to worry about what uh, people think of us. You can't control that. You just can't. But you can control how you live your life. You can control the reactions that you take, the decisions that you make. And if you live for the Lord, whether you make mistakes or not, we all do. You will, if you live a consistent Christian life, be the one who's willing to forgive and be the one who's willing to ask for forgiveness. Be the one who's known as a person, no matter what the devil throws at me, I will not stop serving the Lord. No matter what sin takes place, that my eyes are on Jesus, my eyes are on the cross. Be the one who's known as a praying Christian. We're going to cover that in just a little while. I'm going to ask if everyone would stand for the reading of God's holy word. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 9. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 9. The word of God says this. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to encourage each other and to look to your holy word for a great example. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we used Daniel chapter 3 as an example and, and uh, just a great example in courage. And this, I just headed on over, it just naturally fell in as I was praying and thinking about what, as we head back to school and we think about that, uh, what is the most powerful Christian thing we can have? The Word of God certainly is powerful. But somebody could take the word, the paper version of the Word of God away from you unless you have the Word of God in, hidden in your heart. Uh, you wouldn't know what it said. Uh, but nobody can take the power of prayer away from you in your life. You can pray anytime. Uh, just in the introduction, I put some things. God is not offended. 
by big dreams or bold prayers. He is offended by anything less, which means this. It means that, uh, and you say, well, what if I'm praying for, uh, you know, my car not to break down? Is that a bold prayer? Well, what it means is, is to pray and not just, not just mundane, uh, ordinary, uh, subtle prayers. Be specific with your prayers. Have you ever thought about this? Walk up to somebody or I'll ask you right now. Has God answered a prayer in your life this week? And you say, well, you know, a specific prayer. And I'm not just saying, well, I thank the Lord. I pray for my health. I got good health. Specific prayer, like taking away a cancer cell or be specific. In other words, the more specific you get in your prayer life, think about this, the more specific you get in your prayer life, the less likely you're to even guess whether or not God, did God answer that or not? Because the more specific request you make known to God, the more specific He has to answer that prayer or not answer that prayer. So if you get specific with God, in other words, that's a bold request. Lord, you know, it's pretty broad. Lord, protect my health. You know, well, what if you have a cold? Did He protect it? Well, it's kind of up in there. Well, at least I don't have this. But if you get specific, with God and take away this cancer cell that's on lumbar number seven or whatever the numbers are. And, you know, and then you, you get, and then all of a sudden the next CAT scan, it's gone. You say, well, it's the chemotherapy. You know, that could be, you know what? You can give God, God the credit and the doctor the credit. You can give them both the credit. But the more, the bold prayers are prayers that are specific. Nothing wrong with praying but little things. But if you want to truly say, God, I honor you because I know you can work in this specific spot in my life. That's a bold prayer. When you get not, Lord, help the lost. Well, have you ever thought about naming a name? <laughs> then you know if God has answered that prayer when you pray. Don't just, if you, the more vague you are, the less, I don't know if he's answered a specific prayer. It's a very vague request. And so, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayer. Someone said it this way, you know, let's be the one who puts prayer back in school. Now, Yes, back in the 60s, they started taking uh, organized prayer. In other words, verbatim, saying a specific prayer. I remember in elementary school, we prayed and we had somebody in the classroom. Sometimes a teacher would lead us in prayer and different things. But let's be the one who puts prayer back in school. And it doesn't have to be... Uh, uh, you know, uh, repeat after me a, a prayer that's uh, some sort of organized, but something that's uh, uh, that you say, you know what, I see you pray at lunch. I see you pray at your break. I see you pray before you take your test. Matter of fact, somebody said as long as there's tests in school, there'll be prayer in school. <laughs> somebody said that one time, and I think that's true. As long as there's tests in school, there'll be prayer, whether they're saved or lost. <laughs> uh, Lord, you know, and if they don't know him, they may call him. Well, uh, the fellow up there, if there's any help, 
You know, they may not know what to call him. They may not be raised in church. They may not know his name. And so they're praying and they're asking. And so let's be the one who sets the example. And what if people say, well, you know what? I don't know if they pray. I don't, I've met people before, went 12 years of school, and they never knew that the person that they went to school with was a Christian or not. Never knew, never knew. Isn't that something that we don't get to know somebody that, or we're not courageous enough to ask somebody, or we're not, uh, we don't ever broach that, we don't ever bring that subject up, and they never know we're a Christian because they never saw us pray at break, they never saw us crack a Bible open, they never saw us pray before we ate our meal. They, let's be the one to bring prayer back in school. Like I say, all it could be is somebody see you bow your head before you eat, bow your head before you take a test, bow your head during your break, and actually tote a Bible around somewhere. It's in your locker. It's in your uh, backpack. It's in your uh, truck or your vehicle, and they see it. And so there's, they see that you're a walking testimony when you have that happen. You know, I've known <clears throat> of some so-called Christians who may not pray before they eat, and then they say they go to church. They may not, you know, and I, and I see somebody that goes to church or they say they're a Christian and, uh, and they, and, and I may look and they may not pray before they eat, but I, I'm such an optimist. I say, well, they just, they just probably forgot. But let me go ahead and make this statement, you know, and using the description so-called Christian, uh, if prayer and folks, I'm going to go ahead and say this. That I have been in my life, even since I've been pastoring a so-called Christian, I have been. Meaning this, if prayer is not a vital part of your life and you're saved, you're a so-called Christian. Hmm? Oh me. Not really an amen moment, is it? That's an oh me moment. Because we can, you can be saved and prayer not be a vital part of your life. You can backslide. You can forget. And isn't it horrible if we say, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, but prayer is not a vital, important part of your life. Then I'm a so-called Christian. And you are too. If prayer is not a vital part of your life. Praying believers have changed churches. Praying believers have changed nations. And praying, and we see examples of this. Praying believers have what? Changed history. Have you ever thought about that? Changed history. Praying believers have changed the course of history. You your prayer could affect this nation. Did you ever think about that? Because, and it's not because you are a powerful Christian, but it's who you're praying to. It's the God who created the world. It's the God who spoke the world and planets and stars into existence. It, that's who you're praying to. That's how come you and I, your prayer can affect this church. Your prayer can affect your family. Your prayer can affect this community. Your prayer can affect our school system and our teachers. That we just had this 30 or 60 second prayer, ever what it was, over these teachers and workers and kids. But folks, if we don't pray, who will? So many of us, prayer is a, 
is only whenever we eat or only whenever we if somebody gets sick is only 90% of our prayer requests are related to health we pray of course for loved ones and people who've lost loved ones but praying for spiritual things who you become as a christian is determined by how you pray as a believer who you become as a christian is determined by how you pray as a believer ultimately the transcript of your prayers become the script of your life one preacher said that and i said wow how is your prayer life hmm. a man who wouldn't stop praying and this is daniel Daniel knew the law, and he prayed anyway. Daniel knew the punishment, and he prayed anyway. The Word of God does not disclose where exactly Daniel is. Some have kind of criticized, well, where was Daniel whenever they had, you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which was their uh, Babylonian names. And um, where were they? Why didn't, I mean, excuse me, where was Daniel whenever they'd had the golden statue? And well, he could have been in a different part of the country. He could have been in a different position. Maybe his, it just wasn't as well known, his uh, not bowing before the statue. He certainly didn't. But you know what? Whenever he heard, no matter what his situation was, whenever he heard about his three Jewish compadres, his three friends who wouldn't bow before the statue, and the story, do y'all realize this? Before the age of cell phones, before the age of cell phones, word probably spread like wildfire. Did y'all hear about those three Hebrew people? And he, Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fire. Now, this is some years later, and the story has grown into legend. And about what happened, I imagine, listen to this, you could be an encouragement to somebody else. Your prayer before your meal, your prayer at your break table, your prayer during a time before school, whether you lead a Bible study or whether you're, you let it be known that you were at church yesterday. You said, man, we had a great service. We do this. We got this coming up at church. Any opportunity to speak before the Lord, any opportunity on you. And a lot of times people say, whether you're at work, whether you work at the meal or whether you work at the school if you have free time break time a time time that's you are more than well welcome to talk to people on your own free time about anything okay during instruction time or time you're supposed to be on the job and actually you're clocked in so to speak and you have to do your job yeah you may be bound by certain criteria rules regulations ever what but and if you have a free time a free moment that's an opportunity that's an open door so to speak school work or wherever daniel knew this he said now he knew whenever the law was signed in, when the law was signed in, that it was illegal to pray. But you know what he did? Think about this. Think, I mean, this is inspired of God. The law, it was against the law to pray. Now, in the Bible, it talks about we should obey the laws of the land, and we should, unless it violates God's law. And God's law says we should be able to pray. He knelt down in his home with his curtain windows open, and he prayed anyway, even though it was against the law. Because why? Because he was honoring his God and trusting in him. And they can pass laws that say 
it's wrong, you can't do this, you, can, you can't do that. But if it disobeys God's law, God's law supersedes man's laws. And there's, that's a whole other message. So <clears throat> we realize that the laws, when we realize the laws of the court system that are broken. Now look at verse 14. I'm still in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 14. Even the king... Even the king realized that whenever he, it's kind of like, uh, I've seen it before. Did you know our country can pass a horrible law? Did you know we can vote to repeal it? We can vote to override it. We can vote our country. You know, somebody said, you know, well, the church voted to do this. Well, the church can vote to undo it. The church can vote the same thing. Well, according to their law, though, he couldn't change it. And so he was stuck. It is a horrible law. So there's a time period. The law of the Medes and the Persians. It was famous. The king, when his heart heard these words about what he had done and the repercussions, he was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men, he's politicking, he's politicking, he's working the, the Congress here. The men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree or statute, no law, which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him in the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. All of a sudden, the king, he, and Daniel's important to him. He didn't know he was being tricked. He didn't know that they had a, a plan of attack against Daniel. And folks, the more you stand up for Jesus, the more criticism you're going to get. The more you stand up for the Lord. So if you don't want any spiritual criticism, if you don't want any criticism from a religious perspective, just don't stand up for the Lord. Just don't pray publicly. Just don't say anything about Jesus. Well, this not only led to prayer. In verse 18, the king went into his palace and passed the night fasting. Boy, he's, I think he's praying, he's fasting. It doesn't say he's praying, but I think he is. He's praying. He's, as a matter of fact, he can't sleep. They brought in uh, the classical music. They're playing all that stuff. Okay? None of it's working. Neither were instruments of music brought before him. In other words, he, he said, I don't want any of that. I don't want that bedtime music. The king rose up very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of the lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice saying unto Daniel. Basically, he's saying, hey, Daniel, Daniel, are you there? Are you there? He's screaming as the vent and the stone and the cover or the lock or whatever is being removed. And Daniel and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lines? Then said to Daniel and the king, O king, live forever. That's just like saying, hey, I'm here. My God sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths, and they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt 
I like the way one preacher said, if God shut the mouths of the lions, that means they couldn't even gum him. They couldn't even lay a gum on Daniel, okay? Because if God shuts the mouth, boom. Some of you wish you had that power with your kids, you know, or somebody just annoys you. I wish I could just have that power. Verse 23 says this, And the king was exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner was hurt. He didn't even have a scratch. But notice the word of God doesn't say that he was lucky. He wasn't lucky. It wasn't luck. It wasn't good fortune. How come he wasn't hurt? Because right there it says he believed in God, in his God. And then this leads to change. The king commanded and they brought those men. He said, well, you know what? I can't change that law y'all passed, but here's what I can do. Y'all going in now. <laughs> and uh, it says, took those men and they cast them into the den, the lions, their children, their wives, their whole family. And the lions had mastery of them and break all. They were kind of hungry. Break all their bones in pieces. This is where it goes from PG to PG-13. Okay. <laughs> right there in the Bible. There's some rough parts in the Bible. And uh, matter of fact, then he, he comes up with another law. And it, what it does, it supersedes that other law because that other law just had, had the effect of this prayer. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people and nations and languages dwell on the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree. I make a law that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God steadfast forever in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end and uh i just you know ran across a couple of things i want to talk real quick about some praying graduates this is a couple of years ago in tennessee praying grads risk arrest in tennessee this is in hampton high school a couple of years ago a uh, class president wanted to acknowledge God. He had to turn in his uh, speech uh, to the principal, the school's principal, Dale Campbell. He's the the not nice guy in this story, and he wouldn't have it. He threatened to have praying students put behind bars. And they contacted in every state. There's an organization. There's several organizations. One of them's called the Liberty Council. Came alongside the class president to fight for her First Amendment rights at the Elizabethan, Tennessee school. And uh, this is what uh, Campbell said. Any students who pray or even attempt to pray at the graduation would be escorted from the building by police and arrested. The principal has since backed away from his statement, but continues to send mixed messages in the community from among the students. Listen to this. Liberty Council... And uh, Matthew Staver is not only the uh, chairman of the Liberty Council, he's also dean of the Liberty University School of Law. And he said this, the law is clear. Students do not shed their constitutional rights at the graduation podium. And student speakers who chose to include a religious viewpoint are free to do so. Okay, that's the law. So students, do, now it can't be school initiated. And that's the thing that we're fixing to have to see you at the poll the fourth Wednesday. That's the same thing. 
you cannot have parents or school initiate because uh, the teachers can't, but the students do not shed their First Amendment rights called freedom of speech at the door. You do not lose that. Next example, real quick. I love this one. A Florida principal and athletic director, Frank Lay is the principal. He's the man in the middle there on your left. And then their crowd was outside the courtroom. And uh, quickly running through this, what happened was is that this school, kind of like Hamburg, was very known for its praying teachers, praying faculty. They had a lot of people. And what happened was a couple called the ACLU, and they filed, through this same courtroom, filed an injunction. Uh, U.S. District Judge Margaret C. Casey Rogers ruled that Lay and Freeman, uh, that they shouldn't do this. Well, what happened was, is they had a dedication service of a, a uh, it's kind of like our indoor practice facility of our football field. It was kind of like that. It was a field house. And brand new, and they had a luncheon, and it was not during school hours. And out of habit, his good friend, he asked the athletic director to ask the blessing on the food. They arrested them and took them to jail, threatened, or threatened to uh, put them in jail. And this September ruling, and this is back in 2009, uh, following a trial... Uh, Roger said this, this is the judge, said the prayer appeared to be spontaneous and not a willful violation of the order. Lay and Freeman, along with the witnesses, testified on their behalf and said they believed the events was for adults, not for students, da-da-da, and all this. But if you read the whole story, basically what it was is they said, we're not backing down from this. As we did this for the right reasons. So basically that principal there in Florida and that athletic director said, I'm willing to go to jail if it means that I cannot, can or cannot pray. Now think about that. That would, to me, even today in America, if, you, you know, if you're going to be arrested and thrown in jail, what are you in here for? Well, I, I stole something. What are you in here for? Well, I was praying. <laughs> you know, what a testimony. What are you in here for? Well, I did this. What are you in here for? And I was leading a Bible study. Man, I'm in jail. There's been gazillion people that that's happened to, and we're no better than them. You know, can we be a people that takes a stand, that is known as people of prayer, that's willing to take a risk? And uh, so quickly, I want to uh, jump over to Matthew 20. Two men who wouldn't hush. In other words, to not give up in your prayer life. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 30. <clears throat> two men who wouldn't hush. And behold, two men sitting by the wayside. When they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should, You need to hush. You need to hold your peace. That's what it says in the King James Version Bible here. But they cried the more. Think about that. So basically, 
These two guys, they you think about it, they're sitting there. Oh, by the way, they're blind. They're asking, man, it wouldn't be great if the Lord would come by. Have you heard about what this fellow can do? He, I think he's the Messiah. I think he's the one the Old Testament prophets were talking about. And guess who happens to be coming by that day? And by the way, Matthew chapter 20, this is the last time he's ever going to pass that way again here in Matthew. He's not ever coming by these two fellows ever again. They've been praying. And boy, wouldn't it be great if we could meet him? Wouldn't it be great? Folks, they didn't know it, but this was going to be the last time they would ever think about that. An opportunity comes up and people say, don't speak about Jesus. Who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the world? You're going to listen to your friends? Or are you going to listen to the Lord? Okay? Two people who wouldn't hush. And these guys, because of their obedience, because of their determination, not because of listening to the crowd. Matter of fact, the crowd told them to hush. And they, the Bible says, especially if you read the other Gospels, it says they got louder. <laughs> they, they, it says they cried out the more. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Two guys who wouldn't hush. Let this be our example. And not that you're going to... Uh, I mean, even Jesus told the disciples to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, which doesn't I mean you can't go running and acting like a, a crazed individual for Jesus. In other words, that you would be ineffective as a witness. That's why he said, be wise as servants and harmless as doves. If we're going to be effective, you have to be wise. Speak up at the right opportunities. And don't, and I, you know, you've seen uh, crazed Jesus lunatics, and I want to be a crazed Jesus lunatic for the Lord, but I want to do it in a wise way that would honor Him. And I want to speak up at every opportunity, and if the crowd tells me no, I'm going to risk it anyway. And if the law says I can't, do we have examples in the Word of God that says men who did it anyway? The, the law said they couldn't, and they risked it anyway. And again, to say, how can I best be bold and effective for the Lord? And that's for these two guys. They had that opportunity. If you and I have this opportunity, we're going to have opposition. And then lastly, a woman who wouldn't give up. This is a neat scripture. Many of us have used this from time to time. Luke 18, 1 through 8. He spake a parable unto them in this end that men ought to always to pray and not to faint. If you have a King James Version Bible, faint just means give up there. Verse 2, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Uh, that would mean he's arrogant. <laughs> That's what that means. I'll give you a common uh, adjective for that. Arrogant. Verse 3, And there was a widow who was more stubborn than he was. <laughs> That's my commentary on her. And she came into the city, and she came to him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her what? Continual coming. <laughs> she we're, She's wore me out. She's wore me out. 
And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Uh, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? In other words, if you're an impatient person, one of the most powerful things you can do is to have a praying prayer life. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. A life, a prayer life of persistence. Paul prayed three times for a specific request. I'll never forget the story of a drought-stricken area up in the prairie land of the United States. And they were praying and praying. They met to pray. At the church, all the farmers came together and they said, we need to pray. We're meeting at Saturday afternoon. We're going to pray for rain. Everybody came up on their vehicles or transportation, their horses. I don't know what year this was, reading this story. And everybody showed up. And everybody was kind of looking strange at the farmer who showed up in rubber boots and a slicker. He said, I'm going to pray and I'm going to expect God to answer my prayer. Those who showed up without the rubber boots and the slicker suit, were they really expecting God to answer their prayers? You know, James chapter 5, you don't have to turn there. James chapter 5 verse 17 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And you know what? I was researching this this week, and effectual fervent is one word in the Greek. And it just means this. It means uh, full of energy and passion. Fervent. And it's the Greek word is ernego, where we get our word energy. We get our English word energy from there. Full of the effectual, fervent prayer. So I've got to have a prayer life that believes, is willing to put feet to my prayers, to pray boldly before God, and expect Him to answer. Even if He says no. He told Paul no. Remember? He told, he's told other people no. Great people. He says, it's not right. It's not my time. It's not my will. But he says, don't pray. Don't give up in your prayer life. Don't quit. On God. We're going to get ready for a hymn of invitation. And uh, I believe Caleb and the different ones have a song for us. And uh, I don't know what God's will is for your life. Only you do. Now's the time. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Help our prayer life to be more powerful than what it has been. And Father, we're praying right now. And we're going to pray boldly. And we're going to pray specifically. We're going to pray with something exact in mind.
And I'm praying for courage for all of our families and individuals that's involved in our church, whether they're members or not, that our prayer life would, would step up and our prayer life would be one that would be pleasing to you. We'd live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I have 